This icon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the VBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Sergeant at arms, can you please come in? Hello and welcome to another edition of our Sunday Times Politics Weekly Podcast where we dissect and provide insight on political issues that are topical at the time. Today, I'm not alone as always. I've got an all-female team, which is my colleagues, Zima Sabatiwane and Ste, who are joining me today. Today, we are focusing on two topics, mainly being the fracas within the DA that is caused by its federal council uh, chairperson, Helen Zira, who continues to tweet controversial tweets around racism and colonialism. And uh, the second topic is around the political killings, a longstanding issue in the province of Natal, in particular within the structures of the African National Congress, the governing party in that particular province and the country. Colleagues, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Let me start with you, Zimasa. We start with the topic of political killings in Natal. According to your understanding, Zimasa, what would you say is the cause of these political killings, in particular which are affecting councillors at a local level in Natal? My understanding based on the commission of inquiry that was, you know, conducted by by the provincial government to establish what exactly are the issues. It's about positions. It's about economic uh, prospects that, you know, you get if you're a ward councillor, if you, the person you support, you you know, becomes a ward councillor. So they give you a tender, you know, to fix the road, or, you know, to pick up garbage on certain days, Eloshini. So, but but the root cause is power that translates to better economic prospects. That's that's what the commission found to be one of the leading issues, you know, um, in in assassination of, of politicians on the local level. Mm. And uh, the commission, uh, the Morana commission that Zmasa is talking about, did uh, in fact say to what she's saying. In addition, that part of the problem is that the barometer to become a, a councillor is is quite low in that there is no qualification needed or in fact it, it is all a popularity context as as they put it in the report uh, do you agree with that and and do you think that having a sort of uh, standards uh, to for one to become a, to qualify to be a councillor would in a certain extent uh, sort out this problem i'm not sure that it would i remember going to all obviously sekai was all grew up there um, and I think anyone that grows up in that province has some sort of a personal story on how violence that has has at one point or another affected them. Um, and I think it's a little bit narrow to say uh, that if you dealt with the candidate selection process, though it is a massive issue, and in fact for the ANC it's an issue across the country, uh, that you would have dealt with the issue in its entirety. Because if you look at even uh, killings in the taxi industry, it's a major feature there as well. Um, and during my research, actually two years back, when I spoke to Willis Nkunu, he even spoke of factional fights um, as being uh, a starting point for these uh, kind of killings from way back when, hundreds of years ago. So the province in it- itself has a problem with dealing with situations in a brutal and vital manner. It's historical. Uh, and it always shocks me to hear politicians responding uh, to political killings or taxi industry killings, whatever the case may be, with a sort of deflection. They always want to say, no, it, it almost comes across as if they want to say, no, it's not the ANC. It's not, a, they, they always, 
it seems to be something of a, I'm looking for something more than it's just the ANC uh, that is at fault. So I think there's a deeper problem there that's yet to be addressed. Uh, and it's exhausting every time politicians try and deflect from that issue. Mm-hmm. Zimasa, last week you spoke to the provincial secretary of the ANC in that province, Mutumzenduri, around this particular issue. In your assessment of your conversation with him, did you get the sense that at, at that level, there is an understanding as to what is the problem and how to resolve it going forward? Well, I think the ANC in the province has accepted that the problems lie in the party, mm. not in government, not in, in you know, list conferences or, or selection processes for, for what councillors. Because if we say that let's get educated people in certain positions, there are a lot of people who are educated. I'm sure we are aware of that. Um, you know, the unemployment rate in the country is too high. So if if, if we are going to restrict those, posi- those positions to people who have been through university, it's still going to be an issue. So what the province is doing is saying that these killings emanate from factional fights within regions. Oh. So what we're going to do um, as the ANC is we will bring together warring factions in all uh, regions that... Uh, at, at this time due for conference to say that, okay, fine, we, we are not telling you who to choose for leadership. We are not telling you to emulate perhaps national and do a unity slate or whatever. We just want to sit down with you and and say that we do not want any blood spilled. We do not want any, any violence. We do not want anything that will destabilize the ANC. So how are we going to move forward um, with this process of a regional conference to ensure that uh, at the end of the day, when you guys are done, there will be no fighting. Oh, oh. And, and part of the other recommendations from the Muerana Commission was that the state must uh, professionalize the, the public service and, and depoliticize it in, in the way that it says part of the problem here is caused by the fact that people are deployed based on their membership to the governing party rather than being the right people who are qualified to do those jobs. Do you agree with that particular recommendation that it, to a certain extent it would uh, uh, you know, address the problem at hand? I do agree. I'm just not sure that there is much political will uh, to, to bring about that kind of a fair process, as it were. Um, even with the comment that was made now about education being a factor for counselors. It's not to say that educated people in KZN don't also partake in these kinds uh, of instances that take place because it's a cultural thing. It's something that somewhere along the line just became very deeply embedded in the society there. So I think it, it, it might solve some of the problem, but not its entirety because it's not just about people that are uneducated or clueless that do these things. So that's the first point. Um, and then in terms of I mean, you're referring to uh, cadre deployment, I suppose, which has been controversial for the longest time. Uh, but we've seen is that people want to hold on to their positions and they will realign themselves and align themselves with factions to whatever end to get to the top. So you would require people to be involved in that process that themselves have no ambitions of uh, ascending to any kind of higher office. And even then, there'll always be a thing of, no, but this so-and-so um, shares a faction with this one, and they will always want to then, uh, as a result, want to make sure that they ascend, uh, even as part of that process. I remember uh, there was a national task team in Eteguini that was set up um, when all Zandile Kumete were, what was it, a suspension? Zimasa will remember better than I was. 
Um, but in, in any event, there was a guy there that was a DG of a department in the province. His name is going to come to me. And he was then accused of being too close to one of the PEC members. And then later on, they were like, no, he too has ambitions of becoming the convener of the task team once it was convened. So there's always just one more thing in, in the political level. And so, and, and so far as those processes are guided by politics, and like you said, not professionalism, I don't see how you get around that. But even the person that's going to come and say, I want to spearhead this project of being professional is going to face some sort of a political challenge. And I think that's that's been the impasse, as it were. Zimasa, mm-hmm. as, as your closing remarks, I know we have to release you. What do you think should be done uh, to, to, I mean, this is, an, is a long-standing problem. Uh, more than 30 years it's been going on. I mean, there's talk after talk, commission, task team, all these sort of things trying to address this thing, but it doesn't seem to be, you know, waning at all. If anything, it's getting worse uh, by the year. Do you believe that at the national, provincial, and local government level or within the government party itself, there is political will to address this problem once and for all. I mean, I think Ste, in, in, in her previous points, has raised uh, valid issues around the challenges that people would face trying to resolve this problem. What is your closing remarks uh, to, to this issue? I don't think politicizing the public service is a problem. Um, I, I know you are a fan of, of the Communist Party in China and how it runs things. The government there is very politicized but people are still performing so but but in terms of um the solutions uh especially relating to you know the fighting for positions i think what the anc down here is doing um has potential to work so what they've done is also they've taken um leaders from branches across the province uh to sit them down and say this is how things work. This is how deployments work. This is how a healthy political contest contest within the ANC work. And this is how you guys should be doing things. Because uh, let me give you an example. And in, in Etequini, prior to the 2016 local government election, there was a contest, uh, a very brutal one between Zandile Kumet and James Nomalo. Zandile won. People who supported James Nomalo, the majority of them stood for their awards as Indian independent candidates. So then what that did was um, it reduced the support of the ANC from 61% in 2011 to 56% in, in, in 2016. So what they are doing, what, what they are saying is now is this is the last metro, metro that the ANC, that, that, is, that is governed by the ANC. So if we continue in this manner of um, sabotaging the party because of personal interests or because uh, for fighting, fighting for positions because someone won and we did not support them and and we did not like them. At the end of the day, it will affect not just the people at the bottom, at the branch level or who are, you know, who who are at the regions. It will, it, it will, it will affect the entire ANC. So it's, it's a matter of whether or not these consultations and these conversations that are happening are going to the heart of of, of ANC members, but that's that's the that's the route that you know the the political party has taken, and I I I believe they they, they are doing well. Oh well, thank you very much, Zimas, for joining us. And as I said earlier, we have to release you. Let's take a quick ad break and come back to discuss the DA. Join me, Nicole Engelbrecht. 
your host on True Crime South Africa, a weekly podcast that covers both solved and unsolved South African true crime cases. Right, we are back. I'm left with Tembi to discuss issues of the DA. She and our other colleague, Apua Declerc, wrote a very beautiful story in the Sunday Times last week pertaining to the controversy that has been caused by Helen Zile, who's the chairperson of the Federal Council of the DA, uh, who continues to tweet very controversial tweets around racism. She tweeted recently that there is more ra- uh, racist laws today in this democratic dispensation than there were during apartheid. Of course, a tweet that generated a lot of reactions, pro and against, but mostly against. And it sort of, I uh, once again divided the DA in between, according to the report by Stair and Apiwe, uh, there was a caucus meeting last week of the DA were in. Uh, the, the, the interim leader, um, John Stenhazen, was confronted by MPs uh, for not taking a stance uh, that is strong and against the tweets by uh, uh, Helen Zille, to which it is reported by Stair and Apiwe that uh, uh, the John Stenhazen insisted that uh, he didn't take a stance against Helen Zille because he wanted to avoid a tit for tat that would be endless, uh, knowing that Helen Zille is one person who doesn't back down from her views, whether they are wrong or right. So, Stair, let me start with a very controversial question to begin with. As, as I said, that this is not the first time that Helen Zille has tweeted around issues of racism. We remember that before. She has tweeted around her admiration of colonialism and the good things, according to her, that it did for this particular country. Would you say that Helen Zille is a racist person? I don't think that's really for me to answer. What I do think is that she is a very cunning and calculated politician. Uh, And funny enough, she has brought the party back to a position in the space of less than two years where she creates a moment that becomes uh, a definitive or a defining moment for the leader that's in the hot seat. She did it with Musi Maimane with the colonialism tweets, and she's doing it again with John, where she forces them to take a stance against her. Uh, And in the case of Musi, it was detrimental to his career. And I have a sense that it might lead towards the same kind of downfall downfall, uh, for John Stianazen. Oh, is it? I like the way you put it. Is it okay said, to have a, a, a person with so much power as Helen Zille has, as you just explained it, how she controlled the DA even when it was led by Muslim Iman and how she continues to do so even now under Johnston Hazen, who has who's sort of living on borrowed time since we know that he's the interim leader who is probably hoping to be elected permanently when the party goes to his conference to elect new leadership. Is it healthy for the DA to have this one individual who for so long, if I may say maybe for the past decade or so, has been so powerful that it is, it, it seems, I mean, completely impossible to disagree with her and still have your career blossom within the DA? I think uh, at the point at which Musi took over and then became, began to define himself outside of her sphere of influence, uh, it became a problem for him. But I think it also coincided with a time where people's ideas were beginning to take shape within the party. And so what had been gone unchallenged maybe for the longest time, people started to say, no, I too have a view on certain things and I can speak out about it. Uh, So I don't know about her being this 
central figure. Um, I think she represents what the party set out to represent in the beginning, and that is the hold that she has over it. So the there's also a discussion, or there was a discussion, I remember last year, if not the year before, around how some in the party believe that they should cut their losses in terms of governing the entire country and, in a sense, close ranks around the Western Cape. So you pander towards what your electorate in that province wants you to do and say, however wild it may appear, you cut your losses with the rest of, of the country and just focus on retaining your majority there. And uh, yeah. based on what Helen does every couple of weeks, it seems to be that she's trying to forcefully push the party uh, into that position. I don't think it bodes well for it in terms of being a governing party at any point in time in the country, because I don't think it is representative of the majority of South Africans, um, although there are some in the party that fight against that narrative. I don't want to paint uh, everyone in the same brush, but I don't know that they have the same political acumen that she does in order to get the message that they want to get across. Well. Do, do you believe that there, there is clarity within the DA? Because one of the things that I find interesting is that the DA, whenever there's internal squabbles within the DA, they revolve around issues of the race politics. In your views, Ted, do you believe that the DA has got a firm policy on, on, on race politics that is understood and rallied behind by everyone within the leadership structures of the DA? Absolutely not. I think this is where John Steen has in his right, where uh, after the um, electoral performance, which was shocking, as we know, last year, he kept on saying, and even in the run-up to his campaign for the interim leadership, that the DA was trying to be too many things to too many people. Uh, and I don't think it works. Um, and I remember there was a tweet also after those elections where someone said that the DA is essentially a number of freelance politicians that all find themselves under one organization. And so you have all of these competing ideas, thoughts, and principles uh, under the banner of so-called liberalism, but I don't think it works at all. No one really knows what the party stands for because everyone has a different position, not just on race-based policies, but a number of other things uh, that are crucial to the South African context, I think. Oh, oh, oh. And and with that, uh, I mean, would you say, uh, as, as you say, it's just a, a mixed masala, if I may put it that way. <laughs> Even the, pe the people who are in there, they don't seem to understand uh, where where the party is going. And where, where it becomes sad is that even people at the highest, uh, you know, uh, ranking positions within the DA, I mean, half of their MPs, they are always beefing about everything and anything on Twitter. But as you say, these issues in the main, although they are not uh, restricted to race, but they are also around the uh, questions of transformation and policies such as affirmative actions, uh, BEE, and, and stuff like that. Does the DA have a future in terms of appealing to the broader uh, you know, electorate in South Africa? Or as you say, that some were flirting with the idea of just confining themselves to the Western Cape. Would you say, if you were to advise the DA, which route would you say they, that they, they must take to have a firm policy that you don't compromise on whether people criticize you or don't and that appeals to everyone or to just decide that you are what you want to be, you want to be this uh, white liberal party that just wants to govern the Western Cape? What sort of advice would you give were you to be given an opportunity to say, give an advice that would work for the party, the DA? I don't know that I can advise them because I really don't know what the what the party is anchored in, what it believes in, uh, and what it is selling to voters. Um, and I think in defining whatever it is that the party stands for, there needs to be ownership 
of that value, that anchor, whatever the case may be, for everyone involved. So whether it's let's stick to being a regional party that is to the far right of the political spectrum, whether it's leaning to the left or somewhere in the middle, which I don't think works at all, I think you need to find something, believe in it, and have everyone be on board. So it cannot be a process or a position that is imposed on other people because that's where they're at now in the case where it does not work. So you find a position that everyone actually supports and can take ownership of and is able to defend. You then present that to voters and allow for them to make a decision for themselves whether or not they can get behind that idea. Oh. Now, one of the aspirant leaders of the DA in Balindul, who's the former leader of its uh, youth wing, uh, you know, also recently tweeted that she be- personally believes that it is time for Helen Zile to step aside completely and just retire from mainstream politics. Uh, do, you, do you believe that is, a, 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 you know, something that is possible first? Secondly, if it were to happen, would that assist the DA in sort of speaking in one voice and having a clear direction going forward? I think that's a difficult one because, again, it depends on who stands for what. And if Helen Zilla is the anchor that keeps voters going back to the DA in their numbers, then that's what the party needs to do for its survival. Then it will vote uh, against uh other leaders who they feel would want to take it in a different direction. That was the case with Musa Maimani. They felt that he was not, uh, I suppose, entertaining or accommodating uh, the base, is what they call it, the traditional base of the party. So I really think it's going to be up to them to choose the kind of leadership that they want, the kind of future that they want for the party. Uh, I don't know that certain ideas can remain, those that challenge the status quo, the traditional DA, as it were. So it's going to be an interesting uh, number of months. I don't think it's for me to say whether or not Helen should go. I'm not a DA member. If DA members Mm. like her and it works for them, then that's what they must stick to. But they need to stick to something. And I think that's the most important thing. Pick a position, throw your weight behind it, and be able to defend it and present it to voters in a manner that is understandable, that's concise. Uh, Yeah, that allows people to make up their minds about the party and whether or not they want to align themselves with it. Oh. And now these individuals who, who continue to oppose Helen Zile's views and her stance on issues in public, such as Balinduli, uh, Pumzile Fandam, and others. I mean, uh, if history is anything to go by, if you take the stance against Helen Zile, your political future is, is very, you know, doomed, if I may put it that way. Do you believe that these people have an understanding of that and also that they have the political maturity to be able to navigate within that space so that what has befallen the likes of Lindwe Mazibugo, Musmaimane, doesn't befallen them in the near future? I think what we don't see in the DEA is organization. Uh, perhaps maybe uh, our understanding of organization and politics is also defined too much by how we've come to know uh, AMC politics, um, especially in the media kind of a space, because I think the way that we write about politics is informed most of the time by the ANC. So even when we refer to factions, two sides going against each other, in the DA it's a very difficult, a different rather scenario because I think the factional lines are drawn across different situations. So you might align with a person on one position uh, and later on be on completely opposite ends. So uh, even as the media, I remember there was a time when there was a big deal around the so-called Black Caucus, which was, I don't know, supposedly made of progressive white people and black people uh, who were opposing the status quo. But it was never really 
an organized kind of a movement that spoke with one voice. They didn't meet in massive caucuses and make decisions and go to caucus meetings or go to federal council sittings with a position and a plan as to how they go forward. So I think, again, that that's where you see the gap between uh, those kinds of leaders or members of the party and Helen Zilla, who just has, whether you like her or not, a great understanding of politics, a great understanding of DA politics and what she needs to do to win and stay on top. So I think any form of challenge to the status quo, to the traditional DA, to Helen Zilla, as it were, would have to come from a place of proper organization. What do we stand for? Who are we? Uh, how do we get the numbers in order to put our point across so that this can become our DA as well, or that we can form this new DA that appeals to more South Africans? Mm-hmm. Now, since her, her return into official politics, if I may put it that way, Helen Zira, when she was she got elected into her current position, uh, do you believe that she has done enough to save the DA from what it needed to be saved from? For instance, I mean, we know that they were talking about uh, how badly it uh, how badly they, 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 they performed in last year's national uh, general elections because of Musi Maimane's poor leadership. But it would seem that since then, nothing much has changed in terms of the party having a clear direction and having a strategy as we approach the 2021 uh, local government elections next year. What is your view around those issues? I think that's a bit of a difficult one because you'd have to do an analysis of who left the party in terms of being... Um, uh, someone who would have voted for the DA last year. So if we are saying those almost 400,000 votes, which the party hemorrhaged during last year's elections, were people who align themselves more with right-wing kind of Freedom Front Plus kind of politics, uh, as it were, then bringing back Helen Zilla figure, what she stands for, people that are around her, what I think they stand for, or certainly the way in which they present their ideas, that will bring back those voters. Um, but it will come at the expense of a different kind of voter, which was the voter which the DA needs in order to grow. Uh, so it's a weird trade-off that the party constantly has to make is, do we go, uh, do we put our base at risk in order to go for something that we would like to have uh, that will bring us a bigger share of the vote, as it were, or do we rally behind what we know, what is familiar, what is safe, knowing that we will always have that 15 or 20% or however much uh, that voter kind of represents. So do we gamble with something that we don't know that could grow for us, or do we stick with what we know? And I think those are are sort of the two options that are placed before uh, the DA, even when they have these uh, debates on what they stand for, what they believe in, where they're going. Mm. Now, with this uh, ongoing policy confusion within uh, the DA's day, would you say that, like, what sort of DA would, there be without Helen Zilla, who seems to at least believe in something, whether it is right or wrong, depending on how one views it. But without Helen Zilla, who at least stands for something, do you believe that the DA would have a brighter future without her? So I think Helen Zilla and what she represents brings a kind of ideological clarity, a backbone, if you will, to the party. It's not to say that no one else or other leaders or another formation within the party, by formation I just mean uh, ideological position. It's not to say that it cannot emerge in the party, but it would have to do so strongly. It would have to assert itself. It would have to be unwavering in the same manner in which she is and those around her are. Whatever the position is that they come up with, are they able to stand and have the political maturity to build a brand around that kind of a DA which they represent, which can then challenge this one 
that is long-standing, that has deep traditions, uh, and that can communicate its position very well, that knows who its voter is, that knows who its target market is and who it's speaking to. So I think that's going to be the defining moment for those that want change within the party, uh, that want to veer away from the traditional base. If they can organize themselves uh, and present uh, clarity and unity, then they will pose a, a challenge to the kind of dominant figures that we've seen in the past. Failing that, I don't know, uh, because otherwise it's just sort of like a rudderless ship floating around uh, looking for a lighthouse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Finally, do you do you believe that uh, the interim leader of the DA, uh, Johnson Hazen, has got the backbone and the stamina to take on Helen Zille, as some of the MPs have accused him not to have one? Does he have that particular backbone and the stamina to take on Helen Zille going forward in your own analysis? I'm going to say no. I don't think he really comes across as uh, a politician with his own sort of character and personality. I can't say that there's a leadership kind of style that jumps out at me when I hear him speak and so on. Uh, and I suppose you could say the same about the former leader, Musa Maimane, but he, I think, had some sort of redeeming qualities, as it were. He was a great uh, public speaker, I suppose. But in the case of John, I think he is extremely reliant on the support base that Helen Ziller would give him. Um, if you look at their politics, they're close in the sense that you would assume that they're going to take from the same base uh, they represent the same kind of a DA. So I think if he goes to war, so this is his real conundrum, if he goes to war with Helen over her tweets or whatever else she does in the coming months, he puts his chances of succeeding at risk because she can then field another candidate or that that lobby group within the party might choose to throw their weight behind someone else that they feel will do their bidding, that won't oppose them. Uh, and then what does that leave him with at the end? So I think that's the position that he finds himself in. Do I go it alone? Do I have the support in the party to do my own thing? Or will I have to be strictly aligned with this faction and what they represent, what they believe, and the support that they bring me? Um, but also that means that he'll never be his own man, similar to the conundrum which Musi found himself in. So I think it's going to be uh, an interesting few months. And like I said, this is definitely the defining moment uh, of John's leadership stint, as it were. Oh. Nicely put. Uh, Stair, thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. Unfortunately, that's where we have to rest it today in the interest of time. Uh, for those who want, who are interested in engaging further on the issues that we tackled today, you are more than welcome to engage with us on social media platforms with the hashtag STPoliticsWeekly. There are many ways to access our podcast on iona.fm, uh, 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 Apple Podcasts, and all other platforms where you get your podcasts. That is it from us today. Until next week, I am Mawande. Goodbye.